while there will be 12 summer enrollees that will join Shane Beamer's football program, three of them in particular are going to be quite important for the Gamecocks come fall camp. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program have concluded their spring practice slate. It's been now almost a whole two weeks since the annual Garnet and Black spring game took place in the friendly confines of williams Bryce Stadium. So obviously, the team is going to get a little bit of a break before they hit the ground running once again in the summertime period with Luke Day's summer strength and conditioning program before they'll eventually be on the practice field once again in August for fall camp. The Gamecocks are going to add 12 summer enrollees once they begin that strength and conditioning program. But there are a couple of guys in particular out of this group of 12 players that are going to be very important for Shane Beamer, this coaching staff, and this entire football team once they start practice once again in August. So I'm going to dive into who I think the three most important players are out of this group, starting off with Vakari Swain. Now, the reason why I include Vakari Swain in this group is the fact that Vakari offers versatility at two positions where depth currently is a little bit concerning. Not a major concern, but a concern nonetheless. And those two positions I'm talking about are the cornerback and wide receiver position. Looking at the cornerback position, we saw a lot of guys get banged up in spring practice, guys like Marcellus Dial, Keenan Nelson Jr., Kawan Banks, David Spaulding, who was still recovering from a surgery that he had this past fall, and I believe even O'Donnell Fortune at certain points in spring practice was a little bit nicked up. And needless to say, this is a position group that has plenty of guys that are largely unproven at this level. Obviously, that includes a couple of the guys I've already mentioned, like Keenan Nelson Jr. and Kawan Banks. But you've also got backups in guys like Emery Floyd Jr., D'Angelo Gibbs, Isaiah Norris, and Judge Collier, who, in certain instances, definitely have the talent to compete at this level. But again, they just do not have the experience to pair up with that. And the thing is, Vakari Swain joining this team in the summertime is not only going to immediately add depth at that cornerback position, the expected position he'll play in college, but he'll offer both the physical and positional traits at the cornerback spot to be a potential early impact type player. Because during Swain's senior year of high school, he showcased the ability to read where the quarterback is going with the football and be able to lower the boom 
on wide receivers who were receiving the pass. He possesses fantastic hand-eye coordination, which can make him a potential ball-hawking corner in the Gamecocks defense. And part of the reason is because Swain can cover a lot of ground at a very quick pace due to both his overall straight-line speed and the frame that he possesses, being listed at six foot, 175 pounds, according to 24-7 Sports. And the other thing is, Vakari Swain is not afraid of physicality. Now, Vakari Swain also played some wide receiver at the high school level, and, you know, who knows, could potentially see some snaps there as well. Because, just like the cornerback position, this wide receiver group does not have a lot of proven depth beyond sort of the top four guys there in Antoine Juice-Wells, Xavier Leggett, Amarian Brown, and Eddie Lewis. The backups behind those guys are Peyton Magrum, who's mainly been a special teams contributor throughout his career in Columbia, Landon Sampson, who's played only one career game to this point, and Omega Blake, who has only played in four career games during his time at South Carolina. And... Vakari Swain, he could bring multiple positive qualities at the receiver position should he, again, get some snaps here once he joins the team because he has great subtle footwork in his release off the line of scrimmage. He's a guy that can make spectacular catches and also catch the ball in traffic, make those contested 50-50 catches that quarterbacks and coaches alike value greatly in an offense. And the other thing is, he also showcases his athleticism on this side of the ball as well, as he can stop and accelerate in quick succession in the middle of a route or right after stopping to catch the football. Vakari Swain is also a dangerous special teamer with his speed, field vision, and north-south downhill running style, making him a dangerous home run threat in that department. Essentially, Vakari Swain can have a big impact in all three phases of the game. So overall, there's no question, Vakari Swain is going to be a welcome addition for this coaching staff and this team as a whole once he arrives in the summer. And assuming that he's going to quickly put on some good weight in Luke Day's strength and conditioning program, which has already had an impact on a lot of the early enrollees that came before spring practice took place, I think Vakari Swain is going to have a chance to crack the two deep in fall camp, probably at defensive back especially, and he'll push to see the field both on special teams and on defense this football season. So, Fakari Swain, in my opinion, is easily one of the top three most important players out of this summer enrollee group that is set to join the Gamecocks football program in just a little over a month's time. Now, Fakari Swain, obviously, is not the only guy that could help out South Carolina, that could be a really important key player for this team come fall camp, as there's an offensive lineman who's set to join that could end up having to play sooner than maybe the coaching staff would like due to some differing circumstances. We're going to dive into who that offensive lineman is in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. When it comes to making maybe a homemade protein shake or getting a generic protein bar at the grocery store, what's the one thing that the majority of us always find ourselves complaining about? The taste 
of the protein because it's maybe just too chalky. The texture doesn't work with you or maybe, you know, the flavor just doesn't really come through in the right ways. Well, I've got just the solution to those problems for all of you on today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast with Built Bar. Built Bar is a bar that's only 130 calories, has 17 grams of protein, and just 4 grams of sugar. It's covered in 100% real chocolate, and get this, they've got a ton of flavors to choose from beyond just vanilla and chocolate. They have got peanut butter, they've got cookie dough chunk puffs, They've got coconut, they've got raspberry, they've got mint, they've got banana cream pie puffs. They've got just about everything you could possibly imagine. You can find these bars today at Built.com or you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. At Walmart, you can find a four-bar box in the pharmacy section and at Sam's Club, you can buy in bulk by grabbing a 13-bar box. If you want specific specialty flavors, be sure to, once again, Go to Built.com today. I promise you, you're going to thank me later because Built is where tasty is the new healthy. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right. Continuing our conversation regarding three of the most important summer enrollees that will be joining the team in short order. Let's talk about offensive tackle Oluwatison Babalade out of the state of Maryland. Now, what are my reasons for including Babalade in this group of three players? Well, my reasoning is pretty simple. I think the offensive line position group is the biggest question mark for this team heading into fall camp and this upcoming season. And Babalade is going to be a guy, in my opinion, that this coaching staff is going to have to hope gets a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of his overall development. When looking at the left tackle position, there are question marks, honestly, as to who's sort of going to be the group of players that is slotted at that position. Because, Obviously, you got Jalen Nichols there at that spot. The problem is, he went down with what looked to be a severe left knee injury in the spring game. And there's yet to be an announcement regarding what the extent is of that injury. But Jalen Nichols, nonetheless, could miss a ton of time here in the very near future. You've also got guys like Ja'Kai Moore, who can slide out to left tackle. Marquis Anderson, who's another true freshman that enrolled early back in January. He saw some snaps at left tackle throughout the spring and in the spring game. And Sidney Fugard, the Western Illinois transfer from earlier this offseason, can also play some left tackle, but it appears that he's probably a better bet to probably be more at right tackle in his first season at South Carolina. And again, when you watch the film from Oluwatsin Babalade's time at DeMatha Catholic during his senior season, you could see that he's got a very high baseline for an upcoming offensive tackle at the college level. He's extremely physical at the point of attack in his run blocking. He's got a nasty mean streak. He will play through the whistle every single down. And he also possesses the overall body control and athleticism to be a shutdown pass protector at left tackle at the next level. The reason why 
Oluwatsubabalade probably needs a little bit of time to develop is because this is a guy that, you know, sometimes the little things get away from him a little bit. And when I say the little things, at offensive tackle, I'm talking about maybe his leverage. I'm talking about his overall arm extension when engaged with a defender and maybe being inconsistent at running his feet when trying to block downhill. But the thing is, all of these are very correctable with some consistent coaching from South Carolina offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley. So point being, Oluwatsubabalade is going to be an important player out of the summer enrollee group because should there be some injuries that stack up on the left side of the offensive line, or maybe some of these guys, they just don't do a good enough job when they're given the opportunity at that left tackle spot, Babalade could be someone that has to be ready to play some snaps in year one. Again, should the staff have it their way, they probably would not want that to take place. But, as I mentioned earlier, Babalade, he's got a very high baseline. He's just got some untapped potential now that the Gamecocks are going to have to try to drive out of him through constant coaching on the field and, of course, having him get after it off the field in the weight room and studying his film. So, Babalade, definitely one of the most important players out of this summer enrollee group for South Carolina. And then the last one I'm going to talk about real quickly is running back Dontavius Braswell. And again, the reasoning for this one is also probably pretty self-explanatory. The running back position group is a unit that is full of specialists and unproven players at the FBS level. The running back room right now pretty much consists of four guys. Juju McDowell, to carry on Joyner, Meyer Anderson Jr., and Dante Miller. Juju McDowell is the only running back out of this entire group that has more than six carries in his career at the FBS level. And McDowell, he's a smaller back. He's more so of your scat back. He can hit the afterburners and almost be a home run threat going down the field, but he's mainly a guy that's sort of going to be better on the edge, catching the football, being shifty, and using his overall agility. To carry on, Joyner has got a little bit more of a complete skill set at running back. The issue with Joyner is quite obvious. He's never played running back at the collegiate level, and nonetheless, he's now going to attempt to probably do that at the SEC level. Definitely not an easy task. Meyer Anderson Jr., sort of the same deals to carry on. He's got a more complete skill set. He is more of kind of that bell cow type running back that can go out there, take the punishment, deliver hits to opposing defenders, is a north-south downhill runner, can't be sort of that one-cut type back. But Mario Anderson Jr., he's never done it at this level. He dominated at the Division II ranks. But he's now going from not just Division II to the FBS, but he's leapfrogging all the way to the Power 5 ranks in the SEC. And then you got Dante Lil Turbo Miller, a guy that, you know, is probably a rotational back at best at this point in his South Carolina career. And that's if he's even eligible to play next season, because for some reason, I don't think the NCAA has passed down any sort of news regarding sort of their final call on whether or not Dante Miller can come back for another year. So that's your current running back group. And you could see based on that why the Gamecocks probably need one more running back. And they're getting that this summer in Dontavious Braswell. And with Braswell, they're getting a guy that can reach his top speed very quickly and maintain his top speed. He was a state champion in the 100-meter dash in high school. So essentially, 
This guy is a home run threat. He can take it the distance, 70, 80 plus yards. South Carolina has not had that kind of running back in a very long time. Braswell's ball carrier vision helps him get extra yardage, and he constantly runs his feet when he is engaged with an opposing defender. So this is a guy that does not quit on plays. This is a guy that sees the field quite well, and he has got home run speed that he displays on every given down. So overall, Dontavious Braswell offers more of a multifaceted skill set than some of the running backs that are currently on the roster. And while it's probably going to be a some of the parts or running back by committee type deal for the Gamecocks this next season, they're going to want a guy that is going to sort of grab the bull by the horns and be that starting running back that they can give the rock to more than pretty much everybody else. And with what Braswell can do in terms of his speed, being able to withstand contact, and move well horizontally as well as vertically down the field, he can get a shot to see the field early this season. And who knows, if he does well enough in fall camp, maybe he could have a chance to start for South Carolina. There's probably not a high chance that that happens, but there's no question. Dontavious Braswell is going to be leaned on this next season immediately for South Carolina. And for that reason, he's the third and sort of final player in this group of the most important summer enrollees for South Carolina's 2023 recruiting class. All right, before we head into the final portion of today's show, just want to say thank y'all once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. If you want future alerts and notifications on new shows from the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, be sure to subscribe and click the bell on YouTube, and also give us a follow wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. All right, let's talk about a massive, and I mean massive, transfer portal addition for Lamont Paris and South Carolina's men's basketball program as they landed Wofford transfer B.J. Mack on Thursday afternoon. When looking at B.J. Mack's overall skill set, the game that he possesses, and what he did statistically for Wofford this past year, my overall synopsis on B.J. is this. Uh, He is a unicorn on the offensive end. This is a guy that's got a mix of both traditional and modern day skills at the power forward position because he can handle the ball, see the entire floor, and shoot like he is a guard. But BJ can also play with his back to the basket. It is truly unlike any guy that South Carolina has had in their program in quite some time. This past season, BJ Mack averaged 16.6 points and 5.6 rebounds per game. While shooting 49.2% from the floor, 33.5% from behind the arc on 155 attempts, by the way, and 80.7% at the free throw line. There's not one area on the floor where BJ Mack cannot score the basketball. And the highlights from his junior season at Wofford backs this up. BJ Mack is crafty with how he handles the basketball when going to the rim. He's a guy that understands how to use his body and good footwork to create space when taking the ball from the baseline or low block to the basket. He's also got step back, fadeaway, and hook shot moves 
in his arsenal. So he could score the basketball in a variety of ways when he's in that particular area of the floor. He's also a guy that's got good court vision on the offensive end. Is a really good passer for a power forward. And B.J. Mack can also hit three-pointers. But he can shoot them from NBA range. And the other thing is, B.J. Mack does not have to be wide open to hit three-pointers. He can hit contested three-point shots. He can catch and shoot. He can also use his step-back move to create, again, some space for himself at the perimeter in order to give himself a more wide-open and good shot selection. So, where does B.J. Mack fit in the rotation? Well, there's no question he is starting at Power 4 for South Carolina this next season. And what B.J. Mack is going to allow Lamont Paris and the staff to do is they're now going to have more schematic flexibility in terms of how they want the team to operate on the offensive end of the floor. So, B.J. Mack can help spread this offense out so that guys like Amichi Johnson, who thrives at being able to drive to the basket and use his athleticism, can have more open driving lanes. Or, South Carolina can play a more conventional offense, where you have two guys that are sort of hovering around the paint area, and if B.J. Mack, say, is on a burner of a game, and he gets the ball on the low block and gets immediately doubled, he can kick the ball back out to a guy like Miles Stute from behind the three-point line, and the Gamecocks can get the three-point shooting game going. Having a guy like B.J. Mack is going to open up this entire offense for South Carolina this next season, and honestly, B.J. Mack is going to be South Carolina's biggest offensive threat overall. I will not be shocked if he leads the team in scoring instead of one of South Carolina's many guards who is going to be able to make plays this next year. B.J. Mack is not a cherry on top for this transfer portal recruiting class, which I believe at this point is basically done for Lamont Paris and this staff. No, B.J. Mack is the cake, and everybody else is the icing and the toppings to go with it. This is the biggest recruiting win for Lamont Paris and this entire staff, probably besides the fact that they got G.G. Jackson after he decided to decommit from North Carolina this past summer, but that was kind of more of a done deal. This was a recruitment where they had to fight some really big-time programs at the Power 6 level. Programs like Alabama, LSU, Iowa, and Arkansas. I believe those were the other four teams that comprised BJ Maxx Top 5. Arkansas has been very active in the transfer portal. Alabama was just the number one ranked team in the country for months on end, I believe, this past season, and was the number one overall seed. And South Carolina beat both of those programs and the others that I just mentioned to keep B.J. Mack within the Carolinas and close to home. Big, big deal for Lamont Paris and this staff. And B.J. Mack, honestly, really increases the potential for South Carolina to not just maybe now go 500 this next season with this improved roster that they're going to have, especially in terms of a depth standpoint, but South Carolina now might have a chance to have a winning record this upcoming winter. Not going to try to put too high of expectations on just yet, because obviously they did just win only 11 games this past season. I know a lot of fans were hypercritical of the team because of some of these sluggish stretches that they had. 
But I'm telling y'all, Lamont Paris deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing this offseason. There's no question he and the staff are putting in work to try to make this team better. And I think that y'all are going to see a much improved product when the team takes the floor once again later on this year. But with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. Who do y'all think the three most important summer enrollees are for South Carolina's football program? Do you agree with the three I selected? Or do you think there's other guys that are going to play a bigger role? Maybe a guy like Trevon Bond, the offensive line. Maybe a Nicholas Harper. If you have any disagreements, I want to hear your thoughts on that and everything else I discussed on today's show down below in the comments section. If you watch today's show on YouTube or if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at a line underscore SC. Also, the Lots on Gamecocks podcast is now on Facebook. So if you are a big time Facebook user, be sure to follow our page over there for daily alerts on new shows from the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Thank you so much to all of you everydayers for tuning in to our show every single morning and afternoon or whenever you listen or watch our show. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.